This podcast is proudly part of the Kaiju Ramen Podcast Network. If you'd like to check out more Kaiju and Tokusatsu goodness, go to kaijuramenmedia.com. Him? Shin! Standing by. Complete. Greetings, heroes of the internet. I'm Nathan. I'm Danny. And this is Henshin Men, a podcast that celebrates Japanese superheroes and their high-flying and high-kicking adventures. In this super-powered installment, we head to the Land of Light and take a beginner's journey into the Ultraman franchise. Listeners, Nate here. You might be wondering, wait, what happened to the Common Rider coverage? Well, <laughs> I've been a little busy with G Fest, and Travis has been busy with a lot of things. But I wanted to make sure that you still got something in your feed, so that this wasn't a complete and utter hiatus. But we will be getting back to the Common Rider coverage shortly. But with me today is someone that you heard for the first time on this show in our previous episode, and he's back. Twice in a row. I think that's a small accomplishment right there for you, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Well, Henshin was the one Toku podcast you've not been on, and now you've been on it twice in a row. <laughs> oh, there, there are plenty I haven't been on yet, but uh, this was one of them, and I checked that off my list last time. And yeah, I'm back for round two, and surprise, surprise to literally no one, it is also ultra-related. Yes, yes, because, <laughs> well... When Travis is away, Nate will have more Ultraman on Henshin Men. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't rhyme, but it's very true. It's, it's very, very true. true. It's very true. Uh, although, and plus, I'm not sure if I can call Travis a mount. Uh, no, uh, uh, call him a cat. Well, he is kind of a cat. Is he? He's a cat I feel person. Like he's, I feel like he's, he's a, okay, well, then, but that's not the same as being a cat. I feel like you're just making things up. This is true. I am making things up because I'm a writer and that's what I do. And speaking of you, writing, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I earned that one. <laughs> Your goal is to get a rim shot on every podcast you ever record with me, isn't it? <laughs> so far, so good, Marchand. That's all. I, I think I've every single one so far. Every yeah. single one so far. But we are keeping this in the family because. What I wanted to do, and we actually, we wanted to see if we could record this last week during G-Fest, but ah, we were no. way too busy to do that. We were running around like Gigans with our heads cut off because <laughs> we had, okay, so Nate, you had six panels. Yep. I thought I had five. It was actually yeah. six. <laughs> and I had eight. And between that and the dealer's room and all the panels that we wanted to go to and trying to find time to eat and going to the movies and the best part of G-Fest, which was getting to see all of the awesome people that we, yes. uh, we love so much and spending time with them and talking with them and like all that, there's, there was no time. And every year I always think, well, maybe I'll spend a little time. I'll read a book. I'll watch it <laughs> every time. I'll yeah. Go to the gaming hall. Go to the gaming miss at least one room i did go into the gaming room a couple times i did not game in the room i walked yeah. through the model thread but i missed the art room this year 
And oh I, yeah. Oh man, it's so much. Actually, I missed a couple of the movies in the theater, but that's neither here nor there. The, the yeah, it's neither here nor there. So we didn't get it yeah. done. So I wanted to have this out last week, if at all possible. It was not possible. So, but this is inspired by an article that you wrote for Kaiju Ramen Magazine. And Henshin Man is a proud member of the Kaiju Ramen Podcasting Network. So I figured, hey, why not? This should be a relatively quick and easy episode to put together because Henshin Heroes has several huge franchises. And for the uninitiated, they can be a little bit daunting. And specifically, we're zeroing in on the oldest of the three, Ultraman and yeah. boy howdy work this that franchise is creeping up to 60 years old now I can't believe that that's insane I it feels like just the other day I was in Japan celebrating the 50th at Ultra Festival like I feel so like you're I was just old doing... is what you're saying no yeah <laughs> that's not what I'm sa- it, it's true but it's not what I'm saying is it? I, I am not old I am I, I, I feel it sometimes but I am not at oh, all oh, you're still a spring guy are you yeah a spring <laughs> gotta get those guy chicken jokes in there <laughs> What have I done? But yeah, the yeah, it, we're coming up on 60 years of Ultraman. Ultraman started back in 1966. And to say that the franchise has exploded into a massive multi-generational can o worms is a massive understatement because this thing is, I mean, Ultraman even to people who've never seen Ultraman, one of the things that they probably know about it, and maybe that's one of the reasons they've never seen it, is just the fact that it is megalithic. It is huge. Not only has it been going since 1966, it's in the Guinness Book of World Records as having the most spinoffs of any franchise ever made by the mind of man. Wow. I, mean, it is, I didn't know that. Yeah, it is the Guinness World Record holder for franchise with the most sequels and spinoffs. Ultraman. Yeah. There you go. And uh, I don't think anyone's going to be taking that from it anytime soon. Even Sentai and Kamen Rider are probably not going to be able to catch up. They're close, but Ultraman had a little more than half a decade, at least in one or two cases, of a head start on those things. Kamen Rider is obviously kind of in the middle of that sandwich, but still as much Kamen Rider as there is, as much Sentai as there is, and as many, you know, dozens of other crazy superhero shows and metal hero shows and other Toei hero shows and just crazy things, weird stuff that Toho was doing in the seventies with superheroes, like all of that stuff. It's still not Mm -hmm. up to the sheer number of things that Ultraman has been in. It is an avalanche. It is there's it's, it's crazy how much Ultraman there is. And, And it really is too bad because Ultraman is such a great thing to get into. It's daunting. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of an intimidating thing to to want to. Yeah, because we're talking, I mean, how many, I think close to like 30 television shows about, a, I think at least a dozen or more. I know it's more like 20 movies and. and oh, it's it's more than that. I mean, it's if you want to excluding talk, the compilation movies. <laughs> well, yeah, but like even with that, if you want to go for a more impressive number, I mean, the number of major TV shows is more than 40. I mean, there's been you know, there've been long stretches where there've been one every year. Then that hasn't mm-hmm. been consistent. If it was, then we'd be looking at nearly 60 of them, but where uh, I mean, there's 40 plus TV shows, nearly 3 dozen 
feature films. And then there are all the TV specials and then all of the guidance or side stories, all yep. the direct to video stuff. Some of stuff. which have been on the show. <laughs> the co- the co- yeah, the, the compilation films. The co- and then you want to talk about the, after that you start getting into the esoteric stuff like the commercials and the, the toys. The Ultraman and game. Nice! Ultraman Nice! I, I, I got an ultra- I, For a hot yes. minute, I thought about covering the commercials as an episode with you. I think you should. <laughs> I, I actually did finally get an Ultraman Nice action figure, a Bandai action figure this year at G-Fest, which was oh, uh, man. good uh, to get. I was happy to grab that. But yeah, anyway, that's a that's a whole can of worms. That is, that is. But to kind of break it down a little bit, now you go, we're basing, like I said, we're basing this on your most recent article in Kaiju Ramen in issue five, which is yes. called, and was it the M78 Primer? Yes. Yeah, M78 Primer, A Beginner's Guide to Ultraman. Now, generally speaking, the Ultraman franchise is divided into three eras, but you actually take some of those and break them into kind of sub eras because you have Showa, which is, you want to get technical, it's Ultra Q through Ultraman 80, so 1966 to 1980. Mm-hmm. And then there is a couple of foreign made Ultraman projects in the interim. So you had The Adventure Begins, which was an animated pilot for a Hanna-Barbera produced television show that never came to be and then you had ultraman towards the future or ultraman great which was made in australia and then ultraman the ultimate hero or ultraman power that was made in america and then after that you have what's called the heisei era that started in 1995 with ultraman tiga and then my understanding is that they'll say that goes up to about what well, i think about 2012 2013 because mm-hmm. Ultraman Ginga is considered the start of what they call new generation heroes, which if you go by the Japanese record keeping, it was in both Heisei and now the Reiwa. Yeah. yeah. But new generation heroes you know, spans those two eras. So it's its own thing. Kind of like the millennium Godzilla films because mm-hmm. the millennium Godzilla films were still technically during the Heisei period, but they got their own designation because they're a separate series from the movies in the 80s and 90s so that's my understanding of it yes it this and that's typically how i i will break it down but when i wrote this article my intention wasn't to get so minute that i was going through every teeny tiny little thing because that doesn't the, the goal of this article was to take this giant megalithic franchise and break it down into smaller more easily digestible chunks that would be less intimidating to dive into and talk about just so i can Mm -hmm. talk about a little bit so the problem i ran into was if i got too minute then it defeats the purpose but if i was too here's showa here's heisei here's new generation or next generation then it's too ultraman not star trek okay yeah (laughs) that was for you my friend i had to throw it in there but (laughs) it's appreciated ultraman the next generation but um (laughs) the you'd watch it you know it i i I am fully committed to ultraman at this point (laughs) (laughs) you you would watch it but so my idea was basically something in the middle something that was not so just like in the trenches that it was intimidating to somebody who who would get a paragraph in and go, nah, forget this. It's too complicated. I'm out. And not, not so broad that it didn't touch on some of the specific stuff. So what I ultimately ended up doing 
was kind of going in and breaking the eras down a little bit differently in ch- as chunks. I think chunks is the best way to describe it, even though chunks is kind mm-hmm. of a gross word. These are my mm-hmm. ultra yeah, chunks. You kind of go decade by decade in the article here. Yeah, yeah. Break it's, it down it's, a little bit because you have basically you have the 60s, you have the 70s, and then you kind of. There, what, there actually wasn't a lot of Ultraman in the '80s, so you just nope, kind of you talked about you call it the Western trilogy, which we talked, which I mentioned, mm-hmm. and then we get to the '90s, and then things go absolutely insane in the '90s with Ultraman, and then yeah. the you know then you talk about the 2000s, the and then, then the, the kind of the yeah. Ultraman Zero era, yeah, and then that new was generation heroes, yeah, yes, and I think that was an easier way to do it. And I think that th- just for me, if I were to, to go in, that would give me more information than just here's old, slightly less old and what's happening now. <laughs> you know, like that doesn't yeah. quite it's still weird to think that Ultraman Tiga and all that stuff from the 90s is now get going on 30 years removed. That blows my mind. It's almost as quote unquote old. I don't want to use that word. It's not it, does, it sounds too harsh, but it is getting to the point where it is as it will be as old as the original Ultraman was to it when it was new. That's That's insane. Crazy. That's crazy. But, but anyway, all that to say the way I broke it down, it's my sincere hope. And from what I've heard from people who've read the article, I've heard some lovely things from people uh, about this article, which has really meant a lot. Just people saying that it, it, it did kind of make things a little easier and that it was well put together, which is very, very, Thank you. If, if you're one of the people that said that, that means a lot that it was doing its job. Cause my job in this, that, that I was trying to do in this whole thing was create a written kind of a little guide to flip through that wasn't too in detail, but was detailed enough that it gave you good places to start. Basically what I wanted to do was take each of these eras that I talked about and talk about it as if it were both building off of what came before or starting it in the case of the original, and from the perspective of if you were to start here, here's how that would feel. And I even said it at some point in the article. Hey, you want to go back to where it all began? Go back to where it all began. You like newer stuff? Here's an era you can jump into. You like crazy stuff? 70s. You know, <laughs> it's, it's pretty <laughs> yeah, simple. Basically, there's, yeah. I think the way you put it, and this is one of the things that if you can get over the hurdle of how huge it is. The thing that's interesting about Ultraman is that you actually, depending on your individual taste, you actually have a couple of entry points. You do. And I guess the best thing to do would just to be to kind of break it down as we go through here and mm-hmm. kind of talk about why each one could be a good entry point and how mm-hmm. each one of them works. So if anyone out there listening has been intimidated by Ultraman, then I hope this helps because this is such a sh- a good show to get into. It is such a worthy show. It is worthy of your time. It is worthy of your energy. And it just it's just getting past that that very real hurdle that I do not want to minimize of it just being so huge. Mm-hmm. I, hope, I, 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 like, I don't results. know if you remember this, Danny. There was actually an article in a, an older issue of G Fan that was a lot like this, where it's just this catalog of everything Ultraman over the years, but it was hyper detailed. It was hyper detailed. See, I love the hyper detailed minutia of that kind of stuff. Like I love getting into the trenches and reading all that because I'm not intimidated by long franchises and jumping into that stuff. I just, I eat that stuff up like Tic Tac. So it doesn't bother me, but that's not the case for everyone. And I remembered that article and part of me wanted to pull it out as 
reference while I was recording this one, not recording when I was writing this one, <laughs> but uh, listen to me, listen to me. But at the same time, I thought, you know what? I, I don't want to trick myself into getting too into the trenches because I don't mm-hmm. want this to be too detailed that it's going to, it's going to drive newer fans away because there is so much of it. So making a lot feel like it's less or at least more manageable. Mm-hmm. That was my goal here. That was my yeah. goal. Yeah, for sure. And I do think you succeeded with that. It's a very well put together article. Thank you. I, I, I remember editing this and be like, man, he really figured out how to do that. I <laughs> That's great just, to hear. Thank yeah, you. Uh, yeah, for sure. So we'll start here at the beginning because this is how I typically roll. Now I've checked out some things that are technically out of order. You know, I've watched some things like if I, I found out Ultraman Nexus was going to leave Crunchyroll in a week. So I said, screw it, watching it now. <laughs> it's yeah. the whole thing in a week. Or, you know, I've been watching the newer shows since Ultraman Z week to week just because I want to keep up with it. But generally speaking, when it comes to big franchises like this, I will start at the beginning. I'm one of those people. So I started with the beginning with Ultra Q. It is so crazy because when I first started watching Ultraman, that was not a luxury that was afforded to no, most no, people which in the is, West. This is, so this is a very timely article with just the deluge yeah, that's, of, of stuff that yeah. Mill Creek has been giving us the last three years. And that's, that's why I wrote it when I did, because it really, I wanted it to come out at a time when it was kind of riding this wave of newer ultra interest, because there's been this ultra avalanche, this ultra invasion that's been happening with all of the DVDs and Blu-rays and the fact that you can go into Walmart and buy Ultra Q right now is yeah. blowing my blows my mind. Yeah. And, and, uh, and you can stream it on Tubi and Shell Factory TV. Stream and- it everywhere. It's everywhere. It's it's crazy. So when I first started watching Ultraman, there were only a couple of shows available to watch outside of Japan. And I, I talked about that in the last episode, so I won't repeat myself. But Ultra mm-hmm. Q specifically was kind of this mythic thing to me. I remember reading a little bit about it when I was uh, a teenager and it, it got a couple of sentences of a mention worth of a mention in Dave Callett's critical history and filmography of Toho's Godzilla series, where he talks about the characters and franchises that rose up because of Godzilla's popularity. And he mentioned ultra Q and then he got into ultra man. And then I started listening to the Kaiju cast and they had lovely things to say about ultra Q and I became, and I, I've read a, there was an old G fan article again that talked about ultra Q and it was like, oh my gosh, it's a twilight zone, outer limitsy, black and white monster of the week show. That's basically 20 plus minute Godzilla movies made by the people who eventually were going to do Ultraman and had done Godzilla. And then it's also the prequel to Ultraman. This is magnificent. I have to see this. And I heard nothing but good things about it. It was this mythic thing. And when I finally got a <laughs> copy of the <laughs> of the beautiful ultra digital restoration version that meticulously put the series back together and digitally remastered it to the point where it looks like it was shot yesterday. It is such a beautiful uh, Blu-ray. It was a beautiful thing to own. It was not subtitled. And it began my long trend all these years later of just not caring about no subtitles. I do not speak fluent Japanese. I do not understand fluent Japanese. If you give me a show and say, hey, it's Inazu Man, it's Condor Man, it's 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 Eisenborg. Oh, goody. But it's not subtitled. Sorry. I don't care. I don't care. Just give I want to watch it. 
Just give it to me. So the first time I watched Ultra Q, no subs. And it was, I had to find it through a devious means online. And it's so funny because now you can just go into Walmart and get it on Blu-ray. And that is so cool. Yeah. So cool. That is my Ultra Q tangent. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. But the, you have, you call it the sixties trilogy. So it's ultra Q, the original Ultraman and ultra seven. And I think you do that because not only is it, those three were made in the sixties, but they're also the only three, unfortunately that AJ Subaraya himself worked on. So yes. there's a, they have a bit of a distinct flavor to them. They do. Even though weirdly enough, each one of them is very different. The oh, Ultra very Q is not a Ultra Q is not a superhero show. It's more like the Twilight Zone. And it's very Monster of the Week and that sort of a thing, which yeah. does carry over into Ultraman. But Ultraman is basically a 60s Japanese, almost anime-esque superhero show. And then you get to Ultra 7. And Ultra 7 is, I hate to say this, but this is how Mill Creek marketed it. They started comparing it to Star Trek because... The stories were a bit more mature and thought-provoking. So even with that trilogy, they have a lot of similar through lines, but they're also very different from each other. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ultra Q on its own is an eclectic mix of just about every genre ever. I mean, it's on its own. It is the Black and White Outer Limits Monster of the Week anthology. And then Ultra Man is as the subtitle. I wouldn't argue it's a true anthology because we do have characters that show up the same yeah, but it's but it's week. anthology. It's anthology ask enough. Yeah. It, it's like if you took the Outer Limits and squished it into the the X Files because the X Files is Monster of the Week and it's got recurring characters that hunt down the yeah. monsters of the week. It's a precursor to X Files for sure. Whether that's intentional or not is unknown. I don't know if I've ever read anywhere. I mean, there's, I don't know how the 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 folks behind X Files could possibly have been influenced by Ultra Q because I have no, no idea it, how Chris Carter could have seen Ultra Q. Listen, if listen, if anybody could though, I wouldn't put it past Chris. Honestly, no, God, because not at all. Because Chris is a mad genius. I love I love the X Files, and I wouldn't put it past Chris Carter and those insane people to maybe track down a copy. Or maybe they got the the tapes at the time and they watched. Who knows? But that being the case. That is what that show is. It's anthology-esque without being anthology, but it is the black and white monster of the week adventure show. And then you have Ultraman, which is, as the subtitle implies, a special effects fantasy series. It is a it is a comic book come to life. It is a manga that has sprung to life, and it is a fantasy series about giving dreams to children and saving the world. And then Ultra 7 is hard sci-fi. You know, Mm -hmm. for the most part, like it is Mm -hmm. it's all alien invaders all the time. It's got more mature aspects to it and then a couple of very silly aspects to it as well. And it's it's such a different beast from Ultraman. But you kind of have to take the three as as a whole, but they are very three very different bites of the same pie, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. And yeah. so if you, cause Nate, you said you're a person that likes to start at the beginning. I am as mm-hmm. well. It is not necessary in Ultraman. I will say that no. you can start pretty much anywhere because each show, even if it's a sequel to something else has a clear beginning and they have a clear end for the most part. Yeah. But if you want to start at the very beginning, the Julie Andrews method, you want to go back to the very beginning and you want to run through you. I, within this realm, you have two options. You have 
starting with Ultra Q, the very, very beginning, and then going up through Man in 7. Or if you just want to stick with Ultraman proper, I'd hate to... I, I, do, I will never recommend skipping Ultra Q, but if you want to stick just to Ultraman, there's no reason... You don't have to see Ultra Q for Ultraman to make sense. So don't feel like you no. have to see Q for man to make sense. There are elements that are carried over. There are recurring monsters here and there. But I mean, I saw Ultraman first. The first Ultra anything I saw was the original 1966 series. Really? Dubbed into, dubbed into English. Yes. Really? And I, saw, and I, I saw think it. the first one I ever saw was the four kids dub of Tiga. Larger than life, life, life. <laughs> Searching for a hero. Yeah, anyway. Good <laughs> stuff, man. Kaiju Kim, you need to do a dramatic reading of that theme song. <laughs> Searching for a man with all the right stuff. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe you need to do a dramatic reading <laughs> as oh, an announcer this, guy. I, I won't be able to do it as good as Kim. Kim can out dramatic reading me any day of the any day of the week. Yeah. But yeah. So anyway, so that, yeah, the sixties anyway. the sixties is a good place to start if you like more, I guess you could say old fashioned sci-fi television. It's particularly kinda, things like Twilight yeah. Zone, Star Trek, even like old anime, like I don't know. Yeah. Speed Racer is not a good way, a good comparison, but that's the <laughs> first sixties anime that came to my mind. Admittedly, I am not well versed in sixties anime. There are some good ones. There's some good ones out there. I would say if your only baseline is American TV shows from the same time. I would say that if you're a fan of Irwin Allen stuff like Lost in Space and Voyage to oh, the Bottom of the go. Sea, that works. Yeah. So if you enjoy that sort of stuff, that's this is a good place for you to start. And then we go to the 70s and oh, Boyzer. This is where I am personally in my chronological ultra journey. It hasn't gone as quickly as I would have liked it, but I have been watching these with my brother, my brother Jared, <laughs> who's also my roommate. It actually started as a well we wa I, we watched because i have the older releases of ultraman and we did watch those together yeah and then i got to ultra seven and it was right at the start of quarantine so i needed something to watch i'm like well i'm stuck here with ultra seven could be worse so it's very true so i i said i'm gonna i told jared's like hey i'm gonna start watching ultra seven just so you know and he's like oh i want to watch it with you i was like you do okay so we watched it we just been going through it together and so that's how that got started. He went back and watched Ultra Q because he missed when I watched Ultra Q. So he went, I gave him my copy of Ultra Q and he watched it on his own to get caught up. So I am in the 70s right now. I am currently on Leo. And what I have Leo. learned about 70s Ultra is they get progressively more bonkers. This is <laughs> accurate. Because, it started each, out, but each one of them is a different flavor of bonkers. <laughs> yeah, they're all. They're, each one of them is it's it's this it's the same thing as the '60s, but with more bonkersness. It's just that's yeah, and no, and this at this point, it's Ag Subaraya's kids running the studio. Yes, because he has he has sadly passed at this point. But but his dream was to bring Ultraman back because when Ultra Seven ended in 1968. Super I moved on to other things, stuff like Mighty Jack and Operation Mystery and things like that. But he kept thinking, you know what? We really need Ultraman back. And unfortunately, he, he passed away before. Yeah. To put to it in, to put this into perspective, one of the best lines I ever read in the I'm sure you remember this, the official Godzilla compendium. Remember that? Thing? Oh, yeah. I have that. I book. still have my copy. Yeah. 
it was quoted as saying to accomplish in the United States what Eiji Tsuburaya did in Japan, you would have had to have created both King Kong and Superman. That's how big of a deal Eiji Tsuburaya is. They, they didn't Ultraman call him uh, is Japan Superman. Yeah, they, they didn't call him uh, Kaiju no Kami, the god of special effects for nothing. Yeah, he, he was a household name, far more of a household name than most special effects directors and you know on-screen magicians have ever been i mean if you were to hold up a i could probably count on one hand from that era i mean willis o'brien never reached that level of notoriety while he was alive unfortunately harry Harryhausen got there i think harry hasn't got there subaraya obviously and then in the 80s special effects guys kind of became rock stars rick baker and you know all those guys not stan hyde stan hyde <laughs> That's Shout, out to guy. Shout out to Stan Hyde. What was it? He did the stop motion for the Terminator. And I know who you're talking about Stan I'm, Winston. I'm... Stan Winston. I was, yeah, I was about to say he, well, he, yeah, my, he didn't, he didn't do the actual stop motion. But yeah, Stan Winston, he was a rock star, uh, still is, as far as I'm concerned. May he rest in peace. Can't, yeah. I still can't believe he's, I mean, it's been. What, like 14, 15 years since he passed? I still yeah, it was right gone. after it was right after the first Iron Man because he worked on that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, he was a rock star, and then guys like Tom Savini, the the yep. the the master of gore himself. Like at that point, yep. you've got these people; they know their stuff. But in the sixties, there was really no one analogous to Subaraya. I mean, yeah. Harryhausen, but in a different way. It's almost it's almost kind of unfair to compare the two, yeah, because they both did they were both equally beloved, but for two different reasons in two different yeah. countries, cultures, yeah. styles. But anyway, all that. Yeah, to but say, anyway, Super so I, you uh, get to the seventies. It's yeah. Super. I himself is not working on it. It's his kids, his family. And again, seventies ultra definitely feels like it's part of the family, but it's the crazy branch of the family because you have return <laughs> of Ultraman, which is a pseudo remake of the original. And, Ooh, but kinda. It kind of, I mean, they do I mean, it's, it, it is basically because the character, they just call him Ultraman these days, the character in the series, the character in return of Ultraman for anybody who's not seen it is not Ultraman. He was just called Ultraman in the series or sometimes Kaitika Ultraman, which is return the Ultraman who returns. That's the name of the show. Kaitika Ultraman is the mm-hmm. return of Ultraman, but he's now named Ultraman Jack. So that's Ultraman mm-hmm. Jack. And that was that was a competition that was held by Bondi in the 80s. That came much later. But when the show was originally shot, he was not Ultraman Jack. He was Kai Tikita Urutraman or just Urutraman. He was Ultraman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But so it was very similar to the original show, but it got a little bit wilder. I feel like there's a little bit of Ultra Q kind of infused into it because oh, you I got so. a little bit crazy in there. I mean, it, some of the monsters even started getting a little bit Lovecraftian <laughs> tiny bit. Like I remember particularly like the, I think it was the big crystal monster in the ocean that was so huge. It almost dwarfed Jack. <laughs> Basically it feels like it, it fits in really well with the progression that man and seven had left off. This feels like a decent, good, like this is where, what would happen after seven. Also, this is the show that firmly established the ultra continuity because Ultraman and yep. ultra seven do come back. Yeah, uh, in this, in this, this, o- this yeah. officially grandfathered the other shows yeah. 
which into doesn't the same continuity, which is doesn't quite jive. It doesn't quite jive because the the original 1966 Ultraman fun fact is actually supposed to take place in the early 90s. Uh, they don't make that clear. They only make it clear on Jamila's tombstone because Jamila died in 1993. So that's it. That's the only locked in piece. And then Ultra 7 is set in the future. It's kind of nebulous. But according to basically the return of Ultraman retconned that. So the original Ultraman is now 1966. And it, it basically every one of these things pretty much happens the year that it comes out. It's concurrent to its production year. Or you can bump it ahead a few years or a few decades if you want. It's, it's really, you know, it's it's up to each viewer to determine. But at yeah. the end of the day, it establishes that, yeah, Ultraman and Ultra 7 are kicking around. Those shows happened. It's a trilogy. And then Ultra Q kind of makes it a quadrilogy. Looking at you, Alien. But uh, <laughs> oh inventing gosh. words. Quadri- quadrilogy. I like it's like Trifibian. You know, sometimes you just got to make up. You just got to make up a word. But I really like quintilogy and sextology. That's right. Septology Uh, and octology. (laughs) Nintology. Wait. I don't don't remember remember what it is for nine. But anyway. Ultraman is great, by the way. Yeah, it does have some shocking moments in it. Be prepared for that. Oh, yeah. No spoilers uh, for me. We won't uh, get into that. I don't want to spoil that for people. I I do. Before before we move on, I I do want to give it its due because this is part of a kind of a trilogy, you could say, that within the years of 1971 and 1972, basically created the second kaiju boom. Because mm. this and is the Henshin 19... boom and the Henshin boom. Yes, because the return of Ultraman was just one part of the overall tapestry. There was also Spectre Man from P Productions. And there was also <laughs> shout out to our friend Neil. He loves Spectre Man. Yes, Spectre Man rocks. Come on. Like Spectre Man's awesome. He'll save the human race. And yet they'll never know the face of Spectre mm. Man. But yeah, I know it's profound. But we also got drum roll, please. common writer around this time yeah <laughs> there you so, go <laughs> that's the whole that's the holy trilogy and after this it was all it, stories over sky's the limit henshin heroes fighting monsters galore for the rest of the decade and ultraman was part of that and uh yep. 1972 it continued mm-hmm. yeah because yeah, like i said like i said everything starts getting progressively crazy so if you like crazy start in the <laughs> 70s you like yes. crazy. So you from Return of Ultraman, that's still, you know, relatively down to earth as this Sober. stuff can get. Ultraman Ace, Ace after that is yeah, it is a straight up fever dream. It's but got, it's a great it, fever dream. It's, it's a great so fever fun. dream, but it's like it was trying to be common rider. So like, okay, fine, we're gonna have actual villains that we can actually say not just monsters, because that's what common rider's doing. So yes. now we've got Ultraman people, Ace. Has now we've the... got the company's competing with each other yes <laughs> seeing what it was each the f- other is doing and be like how do we one up the other guy <laughs> that's right it, it was the first ultra series like you said to have a recurring villain the yapool aliens yapool. Uh, these interdimensional basically devils they're like demons almost and yep they're very analogous to i mean there's there's some interesting christian Oh, stuff going on. It's all over. It's all over the place because what a lot of people don't realize because almost nobody talks about it. And I wish more people talked about it is that AG Super I was Catholic and I really want to know how far that went with the rest of the family, but that's neither here nor there. That is, Ace yeah. also decided to be bonkers and had two people 
become ultra hosts and they have to basically combine into Ultraman Ace, which unfortunately gets undone later because uh, censorship. Minami-san, Minami-san goes goes to the moon. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little. Is, uh, I was a little upset about that. Which is such but, a. It is a. It is a bummer. I actually. I really like Seiji Hokuto, the host in this. He's. I just love his smile. He's got the most infectious smile. And then him and Minami-san have this great chemistry. And yeah, they have rings and they bounce around and touch their rings yep. together and they yep. turn into a single entity. Yep. And, and then, like I said, everything is just a crazy fever dream with these aliens and the weirdo monsters and there's you know like pocket dimension things going on it's just it's absolutely <laughs> nuts i was not entirely prepared for it so be prepared and oh and they also start amping up the gore oh boy. A bit. like oh, the gore has been getting progressively crazier but ultraman ace is where it really starts cranking that up <laughs> oh the the ultraman ace gore which is interesting because ultraman as a franchise has a very fascinating relationship with monster gore it's odd because eiji tsuburaya the man who would not let godzilla bleed because he didn't want to traumatize children let monsters <laughs> rip each other's arms off in the original 1966 ultraman i'm still not entirely sure august ragone out there listening i don't know the answer to this how did that yeah. happen yeah yeah Actually, i mean I I, i've literally answer. seen i've literally seen ultra kaiju rip body parts off and beat them with it i mean it's... oh man now we're in this and then the 70s ramps that up and I mean, we could sit here and talk about Ace all day, but if you want to talk, yeah, 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 but you want to talk insane, we yeah. gotta go to we gotta go to Taro. Taro, okay. Here's so we go from you know slightly crazier Ultraman to <laughs> Fever Dream to Fairy Tale, yeah. weird Fairy Tale. That's the only way I can think of to describe it. Weird Fairy well, Tale. That, it was a Fairy Tale by design. It was the people who worked on it said this is the Fairy Tale. Of the Ultra franchise, which is also why his name is Taro, because Taro is a popular name for heroes in fairy tales and myths in Japan. And it's often the names of like the, the little boy who goes on a great adventure. And a lot of uh, little kids were named Taro at the time as well. So it was mm-hmm. speaking to them. So Taro is the yeah, it's the it's the crazy fairy tale of the of the Ultra mm-hmm. franchise, which is and also it, interesting. It also it also expands on the ultra lore quite, oh, quite a, a lot. bit because this is we actually see the land of light. We kind of see what I guess you could say eventually becomes, we'll say, Planet Ultra in the Zero movies. It expands it a whole lot. We're introduced to Mother of Ultra and Father of Ultra, who become significant figures in the Ultraman mythos. Taro's yeah. their son. Yeah, and Taro is their son. So yes. it really builds on a lot of this, but there's a lot of it is fairy tale esque. So you have to go in prepared to get a fairy tale and get fairy tale logic, but it's very Japanese fairy tale. So that, be that's... prepared to be educated. <laughs> oh, it's it is a wild and crazy ride. You know what? It's it it kind of reminds me a lot of the sentai shows because it's got especially stuff from the the, the stuff from the 90s that i'm that's the sentai i'm most familiar Jiu with Ranger, Jiu Ranger. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> uh, my, my personal favorite out of the whole bunch thus far from what i've seen is die ranger i love uh-huh. die ranger and that's got a very mythological thing going on. And then you've got stuff like mm-hmm. Kaku Ranger, which is very mythological but kooky. Okay. You know? Okay. I just want to say this. Kaku Ranger, out of all of the 90s Sentai themes that I have heard, most danceable 
fight me. <laughs> oh man, I I do like that theme a lot. Actually, yeah. I just but anyway, had that, I had the pilot in the other day for that. How funny! <laughs> yeah, but anyway, Ultraman Taro. <laughs> Ultraman Taro, won't you? Uh, yeah, it's it's nuts, and this <laughs> and it's it's so funny because at this point we're going yearly again. We've had Ace from seventy one to seventy two. That's not true. I meant to say Ace from 72 to 73 following on Return, which was 71 to 72. Yeah. And then this one following right after that. And then we get a fourth one right after that. Yep. Which is Ultraman where I'm at. Leo. Ultraman Leo. The only Leo, way I can Leo. describe Ultraman Leo, which I have to say, theme song is a banger. Oh, I love the theme song to Leo. <laughs> the theme song so to Leo good. is a banger. That is the first Ultraman theme when going chronologically, we're like, banger. Da-dum, banger da-dum, da-dum, <laughs> yeah da-dum. but leo oh, is like how do i it's ultraman on too much red bull that is the only <laughs> way I to describe yeah, it because it is, it is ridiculous <laughs> it's ridiculous it is um, hyperkinetic. it n- almost never slows down it just goes it goes it goes it goes and it was heavily influenced by bruce lee and jet ja- uh, not japanese chinese kung fu movies you can see because they amp up the caliber of action sequences they are going nuts there's some Before shaw this, brothers was a lot this. of just kind of like monster yeah. grappling you know with some martial arts thrown in some weapons work here and there ultraman taro is like hey do you like power rangers <laughs> it's great and it's so interesting because the setup for this one is one of my favorites because the series and this is it's it's in the first like 30 seconds of the first episode it's not a it's technically a spoiler but it's the beginning of the series you read ultra the back Se- cover copy yeah. this one Ult- yeah this. yeah exactly ultra seven is on is on earth and he is fighting the monsters and he is wounded horrifically and reverts to his human form of Dan Morabashi, played by the great Koji Muratsugu. Yeah, which is something we should mention. Seven does not take a host. He just has a human form. Yeah, that's and a just big Ultraman, trope. Ultraman Leo is the same way. He doesn't have a host. There are yeah, some of the rare Ultras who don't take human hosts. But basically, Morabashi becomes the captain of this show's anti-monster fighting squad, and he trains Leo along with all the human members and so it's really interesting to see Moroboshi back. He's such a great character. There's a reason that he and uh, Moritsugu-san are so beloved. I mean, they're just they're just so cool, you know. Great actor, yeah. great character, yeah. and it's such a great setup. But the show is almost a little too much for me sometimes. Yeah, it is a lot. It's just it's crazy. It's, it's, it's I it's, I enjoy it, but it's. I'm a very like quiet person and it sometimes it's a little too frenetic. Yeah, for it's my, frenetic, you know. it's a bit loud, it's it's hyperactive is just that's the only way I can think of to describe it. It's I'd love scarcely... to see somebody edit in some Hanna-Barbera like running sound effects. Like just to really emphasize the cartoony nature of it. I really I enjoy Leo. I don't want to I really enjoy it, but you got to know what you're getting into a little Yeah, you do. It is a tad a wacky yeah and it was interestingly enough the last live action ultraman show for uh, about five years when it wrapped up in 75 it was yeah, the last yeah one. yeah and then after that they we got they started getting a little bit experimental and i've only watched one episode of this the next ultra show is actually an anime 
and if, it's called the Ultraman or the Star Ultraman because this is the Ultraman. Like the Star is just there for for sure. I know. It's just the it's Ultraman. The, yeah, it's the Ultraman. And if I remember correctly, this was done by the animators who eventually went on to form Sunrise and make Gundam. Yes, so these it's this was worthy the, for that. The Sunrise folks, and it was funny they'd worked with Superaya before because they're the ones and you're going to appreciate this who did the animation for eisenborg (laughs) aka attack of the super monsters lord tyrannus of kaiju quarantine 2 with that it's so much fun they did it they did the uh the anime sequences for super is born free which is the first of their dinosaur trilogy they came back and did dinosaur war eisenborg uh which is one of my favorite things on the planet it's actually crazy it's getting so much more recognition these days glad to see it maybe maybe milk creek will put it on blu-ray probably not but i can dream No, but the yeah, best they, you can do right now is to track down the very weirdo dvd copy of Attack of the Super Monsters. <laughs> of Attack of the Super Monsters, yeah. which was a compilation, a dubbed compilation movie. Although that's on YouTube, you it can is. also get the riff tracks, and the riff tracks are brilliant. Yeah, which is weird. I've actually not seen the riff tracks version. Oh, I know. the riff track, the riff track version very is behind. great. I'm very behind because yeah. I love riff tracks. Big Mystery Science Theater 3000 fan, just like you. And I haven't yeah. seen that, but um, I yeah, do. But anyway, anyway, so we're off to the, the, Ultraman, the Ultraman. The Ultraman yeah. is pretty good. I recommend yeah. it. Yeah, now, if you, you have to go into it knowing that you're getting old school 70s anime. So you best. have to be used to that kind of a style. This is back when anime didn't have as much money and they were doing the old school anime tricks to get around things. So be prepared for that. It's great. Otherwise, it's just great. I love it's it. a pretty solid viewing. Also, be prepared for the Mill Creek DVD release to have weird subtitles. Yeah, but at least it's available. I just never thought we'd ever get it. Now, one little fun fact is that this anime has made it to the States in a couple, two completely different forms. One, a compilation of the first two episodes, and then another compilation that was a completely different take on those episodes called Ultraman 2. It's hilarious. It's, it's, it's completely wacky. But those, yeah, you can actually still find that on DVD and you can find them on tape if you look hard enough. But yeah. It's on DVD now from Mill Creek, and that's just so cool. I'll take, you know what? I mean, I could sit and complain about the the wonky subtitles, but I, I I'm just happy it exists. I'm, yeah. I mean, I've been used yeah. to watching this with no subtitles for most of my life. Yeah, I'm happy. I got nothing to complain about. And then the Showa series, the Showa era of Ultraman, comes to an end appropriately in 1980 with Ultraman 80. I have yeah. not watched any of 80 yet. It is on my shelf. I have heard some interesting things about it. I also hear a lot of people don't like it as much, which is too bad because the setup for the monsters sounds incredibly intriguing. I it think it really the, is. I think it's like they're, they're, the monsters are actually born out of people's minds and imaginations. Like it's their inner fears, their inner demons made manifest, if I understand correctly. Yeah, that's that's kind of how it works. The, the basic... Uh, impetus behind this is that there's all this negative energy on the planet and actually it's this series that confirms that this this minus energy this negative energy that's causing all the monsters to appear that's basically what's been causing monsters to appear since ultra q 
it's the same juju. Oh. it's the same negative juju and it's it's the imbalance in the world that caused the ultra q incidents oh. to occur <laughs> well yeah because you know unbalanced uh, what was it there was a term for it in ultra q i think it was because no it was a working title for ultra q. It was going to be called what unbalance the unbalanced unbalance the unbalanced zone yeah stuff like that. But yeah, that's kind of explained in this one. The main character is a teacher who's very devoted to his kids. I uh, I resonate with that a lot. I like the design of eight, of 80. Also, this one this one has a, a a lady ultra, one of the first ultra series to do that. Ultra Woman Yulian is in this. Oh yes, yes, yes. This is yes. where she comes from. There were only there's only one before this and it was the Mother of Ultra. Mother so of this ultra. So mm-hmm. this this show started a trend that was not followed up on nearly as much as it should have they been. They should. I wish they had done it. We need more ultra ladies. I agree. I agree. But Yulian's yeah. great. She's the, a princess from a different planet. And she's great. She's great. And she's, she pops up to help here and there. And it's it's a fun show. You know, it, I'm not going to sit here and be too harsh on it. But uh, it did not do amazing in Japan. Because, I mean, by the time 1980, 1981 rolled around, the henching boom had died off and... You know, there just wasn't a lot of this stuff going on. The 80s was really, and the and this kind of leads into the next chunk of the discussion, but yeah. the 80s was really a wilderness decade for tokusatsu in general, but especially for Ultraman. There was very little Ultraman throughout the 80s. There were compilation films like Ultraman Story, which is the story of young Taro growing up. It's adorable. Yeah. That's also where the monster Grand King comes from. Also, we did forget to mention that throughout this period, there were, there was also the period we don't talk about, which was the Chayo co-productions. But oh we yeah, we're, uh, we don't no, we don't talk about Chayo. There it is. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the nineteen the nineteen eighties, there just wasn't a whole lot going on. I mean, that you got your Metal Hero shows that started to kick in around this mm. point. Common Rider was still going. Common Rider was still going. Sentai was still doing its thing. Two Godzilla films the whole decade, but yeah, the 19, Sentai you know, never stopped. <laughs> Sentai didn't give a you know what. It just kept on going. Yeah, it did. But it, the, this was again, um, I kind of wonder maybe kind of building off of that experimental nature that the latter half of the 70s had for in Japan for the Ultra series. At this point, the major productions that are happening are actually foreign. So yeah, Subaraya yeah. is licensing out Ultraman to some foreign studios to see what they can do. We mentioned it already. We'll just breeze through them really quick. So we had uh, you had Ultraman The Adventure Begins, which was an animated movie by Hanna-Barbera. It was meant to be the pilot for a television show. Never got made. Nope. We watched it. It is, if you can see it from the Blu-ray, it is beautiful. And the thing that's nice about it is that since it was made in America, it's originally in English. And if you are a fan of Hanna-Barbera animation, you'll feel right at home. It feels very much like an 80s action cartoon series. It's too bad it never got made. And the other thing that's fun about it is that you get three Ultras. Hot dang. (laughs) I know. Chuck's gotten Beth. Yeah. So there is an Ultra Woman. We have another Ultra Ultra Woman. woman. Another one. And I need those figures. (laughs) Yeah. I found mine at a thrift store in uh, Columbus, believe it or not. They were just yeah. in a pile for like five bucks a piece. It was great. Yeah, it was great. But yeah, I know, you know you, so, you wouldn't hurt me. I know you wouldn't yeah. hurt me. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. So that was so that was interesting. And then in the nineties, the early nineties had two more kind of weird experimental series. 
Ultraman got outsourced to an Australian studio that made a show. We talked about that, you know, Ultraman Towards the Future, which actually aired, I think, in the United States. I have friends who said that they actually watched that in the United States, and it did air in Australia, 13 episodes. I've watched it on YouTube. It feels like late classic Who, Doctor Who. <laughs> eh, actually, a little bit. Kind of. It's Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I love Ultraman great. <laughs> Ultraman uh, great is, is, uh, is it's, it's a solid, I mean, it's only 13 episodes. It is a very brisk watch. If you want to jump into some Ultraman that's in English, if you happen to be somebody who doesn't want to. And if you're like Australian to, accents, mate, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of those. There's a lot of those, but the entire, <laughs> the entire thing is all, you know, it's all shot there. So all local, uh, actors, you know, that's how they talk. So they yep. didn't have to fake anything. Great show. Totally recommended. Totally. <laughs> great show yeah yeah they did them solid yeah although it, i still i think the back the front half is better than the back half front yeah, half is a, a little bit more serialized they're fighting a, the same aliens the throughout goodest. the whole thing the goodest it has a nice progression to it then after that it's just like envir- monster environmentally destruction environmental destruction creates monster there's a moral that they learn and then it, it ends yeah, but either, both are both are good. But then we get to the next one, and I have I know you got a soft spot for this one. I have a soft spot for this one, and the th- here's the unfortunate thing: these little foreign produced series, The Adventure Begins, was technically made available back in the '80s on VHS, but that's the only official release it's had in the states. So all of these foreign made ultras are not made of have not been made available through Mill Creek. As of yet, there's rights issues that need to be untied. And those are some pretty big knots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For yeah, a couple I'm, of them. They're on YouTube, but I, I hope they get official releases. They I do, too. It. I do, too. I will buy them. But the next one I have a soft spot for, it's the one, well, aside from The Adventure Begins, this is the only American-made Ultraman show. This was live action. Uh, it was called The Ultimate Hero. It's called Ultraman Powered in Japan. Weirdly enough, produced in America, but never aired in America, probably because they filmed it at the same time as Power Rangers, and Power Rangers would have just trounced this show. Yeah, Power Ultraman Rangers would not juggernaut. Would not have stood a chance. It would not yeah. have stood a chance. It wouldn't um, have stood a chance because it's yeah. it was really different than Ultraman, but I have a weird soft spot for it. There are people who complain about it and they have legitimate criticisms. I get it, but I guess I guess I just I can't hate it. I just can't hate it. So I'm, in, I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same I mean, maybe it's because it's the one American live action Ultraman. So it's interesting to see Ultraman through an American lens. It is because there's some it, American yeah. sensibilities in there. It's essentially a remake of 1966, but you have like a super buff Ultraman. Like this Ultraman has been pumping iron. <laughs> this, this guy doesn't mess around. He's a big old beefy man and all the monsters he fights are redos of classic mm-hmm. 60, 66. Yep, and they Versions. were all done. I think who was it? It was Shinji Yaguchi worked on this, and Keita Memia, I think, worked on this. Yeah, for the, they did not work on they did not work on building the actual suits though, which is no, where the big, which the was big the problem. Because yeah, the suits, the suits, the suits look gorgeous. amazing. The suits are gorgeous. The suits, the suits are, are gorgeous, gorgeous, but they look so good 
that they were a little fragile and they were scared of wrecking them. <laughs> they, they, they were beautiful at the expense of being functional. If you've ever watched one of these things, Ultraman puts his monsters that he fights through the ringer. And if you watch Ultraman powered slash the ultimate hero, he just kind of boops them. You know, like he looks like he's afraid to get close to him because he doesn't want to ruin these beautiful suits. And I can't blame him. But, you know, the end result is a show with a lot of very light, tepid fighting and a lot of very like there's some Kirk foo going on. In yeah, this. there's some Kirk foo, a lot of energy attacks, a lot of energy attacks and some explosions, not a lot of up close personal uh, punchy punch time. And if you can get used to that or even if you can watch it and kind of laugh at it, I mean, I I'm used to it. I don't sit and laugh at this show i enjoy yeah. it for what it is but now, for uh, the if, godzilla if you, fans you know. out there it's noteworthy because the the i can't remember the actor's name but the actor who played kazama in final wars is the ultra host in this which i thought yes. was a nice touch it's yes. a japanese american who is the ultra host in this yeah yeah and, and what it's... i liked about this because i hadn't really mind you i haven't seen 80 yet and i don't think they did this in the ultraman and I, they didn't do this in Ultraman great. But what was interesting for this is this was the first time I felt like we were get, seeing an Ultra series where there was more interaction between the Ultra and the host. Mind you, it's only in the first and last episodes, but <laughs> it's, it's still there. It's you know. there. They have distinct personalities and they talk to each other. In fact, I find the final episode of Ultraman Power to be really fascinating because the Ultra just says, hey, I'm separating myself from you because I don't want you to die. Yeah, I'm going to go take care of this problem. It's too dangerous for us to do it together. I'm going to go do it on my own, which is going to put me at risk, but I don't want you to die. Yeah. I really like that idea. There's good storytelling going on in that show. It it just kind of gets buried by the, I guess the, not literally really, but kind of the, the meaniness of it. Like it's kind of a show that has a reputation that precedes it whether that's fair or not. Yeah. Well, if you're the guys running Kaiju crap posting, they apparently adore this show. <laughs> uh, it's hard to tell what they do and do not like. <laughs> yeah, I know it is, <laughs> but, uh, but, but, anyway, but uh, they're big fans of it. I think this is a compassionate Ultraman, which I feel like was copied later in the Japanese franchise, because when Ultraman powered fights, the powered version of Gomorrah, he reluctantly mm-hmm. kills Gomorrah and then cradles the poor kaiju as yeah. as it dies not because he killed it because it just it it dehydrated because it was in desperate need of water so it just dehydrated to death he cradles it and comforts it in its final moments and i'm just like oh my gosh <laughs> i know it 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 tugs at the heartstrings it's hard to watch but it's in a good way i don't know it, it it's there's a lot more going on in this show than people give it credit for and that's why it's such a bummer that as of right now, there's no way to release it. Now, if you if you want to see it, uh, I mean, you want to own it on disc, the Japanese Blu-rays will play on American yeah, Blu-rays. Yeah, they will, and, and, it, it and it's in all English. in English. It's all in English. Uh, the problem is it's expensive as all get out, but oh, yeah. if you want to actually watch it, it's for free on YouTube. You, you can, can watch it. it. Thank you, Gorazard. You've done the Gorazard. Lord's work making this and Ultraman Great available. Yeah, yeah, they're all up there. And so, and I, I know you mentioned it before, but just for the record, so is the Hanna-Barbera film. Yeah. That's up there as well, but hopefully that changes and that they, they can get a release for these things. Yeah. I, I, but, would, I would love to see it. Yeah, but after those fun little experiments, we Super got back I to, decided, you know what? It's time. If someone's going to do Ultraman right, it's got to be us, dang it. It's been 15 so they made, years, but we're doing it. 
So then, they pooled their resources and made Ultraman Zerth. Uh, oh yeah, I forgot about Ultraman. <laughs> yeah, there there was Ultraman Zerth, which is getting released now. Those were a couple yes. of yes. a couple of short movies that were straight they're great. To video. They're so fun. They're parody for anybody who doesn't know. They're parodies. And they're done in good taste. A lot of the characters, not characters, but the actors from the original Ultraman are in it. And the entire idea is that this guy is a germaphobe. And he he's his transformation, <laughs> his transformation device, device is, is an electric toothbrush. An electric toothbrush. And he's always washing his hands in waterfalls because he's afraid of cooties from the monsters. It is really, really well done. It is hilarious. Uh, but I can't wait to watch that when it comes out. They're, they're worth it. But Parody Ultra does not a comeback make. But in 1996... A comeback. That was ninety five, actually. It was ninety six. I thought it was ninety five. Yes, for the thirtieth anniversary. Okay, well, I guess I'm wrong. Anyway, yes, I just admitted I'm wrong. You happy, Michael? Anyway, I'm <laughs> thrilled. <laughs> and I know, he but Ultraman Tiga, which, good lord, you want to talk about? You know, don't call it a comeback. I mean, my God. Tiga was it, nuts. It knocked people's socks off, man. Oh and my it still gosh! Is. It's still yeah. it's still so and great. It was I mean, also it, that was that that show just came in like gangbusters. There's a whole slew of things that unfortunately got associated with it, which actually hampered it despite its ridiculous popularity. Yeah. But it was also the first time that an Ultra show was brought to the U.S. Well, no, as Ultra Seven. Ultraman years old the- though it was Ultra Seven got dubbed in the nineties and shown on TBS, but Ultraman Ultraman was dubbed. Yeah, Ultraman was. Yeah. I'm talking about this would be the first time since the sixties. Oh, oh, never. Really okay, hit. okay, never mind. Yeah, yeah first time because, since the sixties. Yeah, because Tiga <laughs> was dubbed and re-edited <laughs> by four kids in the early two thousands, which is how I first saw it. That was the first real Ultra show that I saw. Now I saw the Americanized version of Gridman during oh, yeah. you know in the 90s so i baby done done yeah it was, it was kind of sort of ultraman but <laughs> it's ba- and it's almost i mean superhuman samurai cyber squad is great it's so much fun yeah it's a, it's a goofy one but yeah so tiga comes in and it revives the franchise like gangbusters and super Aya is just flying high off or, to the races yeah off to the races and it starts the next major era of the franchise so if you like newer stuff but not the newest stuff. This is a really great. The Tiga is a really Tiga's, great place to start because absolutely, it's it's a nice middle ground between the unfortunate things to come to characterize modern Ultra. Hello, Bandai mandates. Uh, yeah, this was this was this yeah. is kind of. It feels a lot like the. This set the precedent for so many of the tropes that are still being used now. This is the first Ultraman to kind of create its own little universe. It's not a sequel to 80. All the show all the show shows, the show shows. No wonder I was having a hard time saying that. They were all in one continuity for the most part, but Tiga is its own thing. It's it basically it's a reboot, but it also instead of This is the next generation to the, the Ultraman's generation. TOS. Yeah, absolutely. And it has a different style. It's got a different vibe. And it also introduces the idea of looking at you, toys. Ultraman changes form throughout this show. He has Except three different forms. Except all he does is change color. <laughs> well, he, yeah, he doesn't change physically. compared to what comes later. Oh, oh, absolutely. But he has three different types in this uh, series. And each of them have different advantages. One of them is fast, but isn't strong one of them is slow but super strong and then one of them the multi-type is a perfect mix of both it's also the first ultraman to kind of shake up the color palette a little bit not just red and silver now we got blue and a little bit of gold 
mm-hmm. on there. And that would, I mean, blue is now something you see regularly on Ultraman. And yep. that's really, really cool. So this show really did, a, it's just, oh, it's so good. It, this is a great place to start. Yeah, especially since it started a trilogy, because after that, you had a couple of sequel series. You had Dinah and Gaia that followed. They started getting back to going yearly again, and each of them had a tie-in movie to wrap things up, which, again, started a trend that would continue, especially into the new generation heroes era. So if you want to see where a lot of the modern tropes started, and you want something, like I said, that's a little bit newer, a little bit more modern in its sensibilities, but not bogged down by the Bandai mandates start here. So you have that little trilogy with Di- with Tiga Dinagaya that is that has the a very, what is, yeah, that has its own kind of distinct flavor to it. You know, late 90s, you know, mid to late 90s. And then that w- took us into you call it the new millennium where we again start getting a little bit experimental <laughs> just a few it's years true. into this. And they're trying to shake things. Uh, Super is trying to shake things up a little bit. So take us through that a little bit. Cause there's a couple of these that I'm a big fan of, you know, this. Oh yeah. The kind of kickoff for this new millennium, the, the period of Ultraman that I have kind of uh, assigned to the, uh, the year 2000 to 2007 is really a fascinating chunk of time for the series. One of my favorites. It all kind of kicked off with another kind of a little experiment. Here's a little bit of a fun fact. Before Ultraman Tiga, the initial plan to bring back Ultraman for the 30th anniversary was a show called Ultraman Neos, which which was supposed to come out in the Tiga slot. But Neos has a pilot that was shot, kind of a proof of concept pilot, but never ended up going anywhere. But Neos ultimately ended up getting made anyway as a direct-to-video series, not a direct-to-video film, a direct-to-video, an entire direct-to-video television series, which was basically its own little thing, but it had a lot of echoes of the original show in it. Ultraman Neos is basically just kind of a revamp of the original Ultraman. There is an Ultra 7 analog named Ultra 721. One of his human hosts, or human hosts, uh, human forms, by the way, is played by Robert Scott Field. Really? I'm 11. Yeah, I'm 11. From Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, plays one of Ultra 721's human forms in this series. And that so that came out on home video. And then after that, Ultraman Cosmos took off. There's a lot we yep. could talk about there. But wait, I'm wait, Cosmos, was that it. a show or is it just a trilogy of movies? It was a show. It was a 65 okay. episode show. Oh and it's is the longest. It's the longest one to this day. There has not been an ultra show since or before that has that many episodes. And then it was successful yeah, and enough that, that they made was, a trilogy. And that movies. was inter- that one was interesting because Cosmos is best known for being a pacifist. He doesn't like killing the monsters. Yeah. Yeah. He actually a- tries to redeem the monsters instead. It is At least a- when I've seen him yeah. in his subsequent appearances, because I haven't seen the show yet. Yeah, it's it's a it's a little. I won't I won't spoil anything because it's going to come out here pretty within. Yeah. The, I think by the end of the year, right? Yeah, from, basically. Uh, I think basically everything in that first wave is going to be done. Yeah, it'll it'll be over theoretically. It's also worth noting that during this time, Ultra Q actually had two small revivals, mm-hmm. one of which has bearing for what comes next with Ultraman, as Ultra Q is oft one to do. One of them, and I don't believe I mentioned this in the article is a uh, you mentioned uh, dark fantasy i'm yeah but the right first now. one was actually a radio drama 
called the Ultra Q Club that was actually mm-hmm. hosted by the original three actors from Ultra Q. They came back and did little radio stories mm-hmm. to continue the stories of their characters. That's never mm-hmm. been released outside Japan. I'd love to yeah. hear it one day. Yeah. But Ultra Q Dark Fantasy was a was 26, 26 episode series, I believe. And it was actually an interesting experiment because it aired late on uh, like basically late night when it's kind of like adult swim almost. It was mm-hmm. like the adult swim ultra cute. It was darker and it was a little bit grittier. It had some more mature themes to it. And it was an adult show that aired later. And I, I don't know if it was necessarily a proof of concept, but what happened next with Ultraman kind of yeah. follows the same trajectory because that this is, what is happened when next. <laughs> get out of here so so, yeah, what so again we get to probably the most experimental era of ultraman i would have oh, to say because i would say superaya so. decided to really shake things up and there was supposed to be this we could spend a whole episode talking about this it was oh. this three-pronged project where they wanted to make ultraman for grown-ups yeah the ultra and it was a, it was going to be a stage show a movie and th- a television show and yes i I don't know what became of the stage show. I can't find a whole lot of information about the stage show. It was called the Ultra End Project, but they made yes. a, a movie, which I have seen, and I love this movie. It might, it's quite possibly my favorite Ultraman movie. Ultraman the Next. Uh, Ultraman the so Next. Good. It is and so it good. Is, it's dang good. It is dang good. If, if you know, if Tiga is the next generation to the original Ultraman's TOS, the next is basically Star Trek 2009. So yeah, it's got so. a lot of sim. It's got just enough similarities to the original, but it goes in some wild new directions. Yeah. And it stars uh, Tetsuya Besso, who is best known for playing Takuya, AKA Indiana Jones from Godzilla versus <laughs> Mothra true. 92. Yeah. yeah and he's, he's a great actor. He's a great actor. Yeah. And he's really good in this as the, the host of Ultraman. But yeah, the ultra end project is such a fascinating departure on so many levels because the first phase was called noah nostalgia and it was the unveiling of ultraman noah the character and then next infinity which was the release of the film and then nexus trinity which i'm sure you as i'm sure you can guess was the release of the tv series ultraman Ultraman nexus Nexus. which has a rabid rabid hardcore supporter base that does uh, eat this they eat this thing up i just wish that i just wish it had been managed better when it was originally airing, yeah. I really think the ultimate problem was because they put it in the wrong time slot. They put it in the kitty time slot, and the they parents put it in the kitty time slot, even though it was meant for grown-ups. The parents didn't know when to see it, and the kids looked at it and thought, "What the heck is this? This is this is too weird and too mature for us." So, Subaraya deemed the entire Ultra End project a failure and shelved it. But thank goodness, in the interceding years uh, ultraman nexus has been given a reevaluation yeah, and is and, uh, basically considered a masterpiece at this point yeah it, despite the fact it was supposed to go 50 episodes it ended up getting cut off at 37 so a lot of things yeah. got rushed toward the end but uh, like that it's first half great, that first 25 oh my gosh if you want grown-up ultraman you want another spot to start you want grown-up ultraman you check out the next and you check out nexus because nexus is a sequel to the next yeah. yes that is not it's not an implied sequel it's a direct sequel they don't tell you that until about 30 episodes in but <laughs> but it's there it is but there. it's there they make and, that uh, abundantly clear it's the same ultraman yeah but the crazy thing is it just they they didn't think it worked and so 
their plan at that point was to basically scrap the entire mature angle and go back to basics. And going back to basics meant that the next show they did, which was in 2005, needed to be, in their eyes, a throwback to the Showa era classics. And I am in full favor of, as much as I love the dark stuff, you know, of Ultraman Nexus and all that, and the next is such a great film. Ultraman Max, which is the show that resulted from this go back to basics thing, is very, it is quite possibly my favorite. Yeah, I've seen an, I've only seen one episode of Max because it was made available on Super Raya's YouTube channel with subtitles. And I, I really want to know if that's a typical episode, because if that's a typical episode of Max, oh my gosh. <laughs> which which episode did you see? Do you remember? The, it was the one with the monster that could change form based on sound. Oh, okay. That's an atypical episode. That is an atypical um, episode. Okay. That is an atypical. So a, a lot of the episodes are, they have a very kind of, Oh man, a comfort zone Ultraman feel. And, but it's such an eclectic show because one episode will feel like, oh, it's him fighting Ella King again. That's neat. And then you'll have Akio Jisoji come in and direct an avant-garde episode about the writer for the the original, like he did for the original, but he takes it to a whole like new the butterfly dream episode of Ultraman Max will melt your brain. It is literally about the writer for Ultraman Max dreaming that he is the main character and then the main character dreaming that he is writing his own show and you're not sure which is real. I, that, my brain hurts just Akio flipping <laughs> just so he yeah. also direct he also directs a pseudo sequel to the Metron episode of Ultra 7 but with Ultraman Max and he even implies that Ultra 7 was there at some point. It's it. There are so many good episodes of this show. There's an Ultra Q reunion episode that even flashes. Yeah, back. it's a it's a um, lot of it is it's throwbacks. I it's experimental. It's I very much it. a back to you know a back to basic sort of approach there. I could just and, which is kind of an interesting way to cap off this particular sub era, we'll call it. And then you had a movie. You know, you mentioned that there was you know you had well a, a movie and a miniseries. You had Ultra Seven X. You had Superior Eight Ultra Brothers. Which my gosh, Superior Eight Ultra Brothers is dang good. I it is. But we can't go on until we mention the actual real kind of tail end of this, which is Ultraman Mebius. 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 Mebius <laughs> is great. Mebius kind of picks up where Max leaves off in terms of the lighthearted tone, but. The cool thing about Mebius is your that, boy. <laughs> well, yeah, he's he's great. I love me some Mebius. Max is my boy. Mebius is also they're all my boy. I love them all. <laughs> but the thing about Mebius that really makes it extra special is that it is a sequel to Ultraman 80. It is a return to the kind of sacred timeline. It's kind of like the Universal Century in Gundam. Everybody wants to go back to Universal Century in Gundam. And finally, in 2006, to celebrate 40 years of Ultraman, Subaraya Productions went back to the original timeline with the original Showa era shows and made a sequel to it. So all of those heroes get to show up. Most of them played by or at least voiced by their original actors from the 60s mm-hmm. and 70s, which is great. A lot of new monsters show up. A lot of uh, classic monsters show up. The, the, the ca- human characters are great. Oh, man. Ultraman Mebius is rock solid. And it ended up spawning its own spinoff film and then a second spinoff film, which is the Ultraman Eight Brothers, which you just mentioned. And it even got what, like three different Gaiden sets, which yeah. led into the next phase. But we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. this, uh, the, this next, the next kind of sub era, because we're still yeah. in Heisei. We're still in. We're still in Heisei. We're still in Heisei. After, but this after, one, it was 
they started doing Ultraman adjacent shows and a handful of movies. Yes. And the way it ultimately ended up coming together, I think is just, I cannot praise it enough. This to me is one of my favorite periods in Ultraman history. In some ways it might be with the caveat being that I love, I love it all. And I obviously love the original show and stuff. This has a special, a special soft spot for me. And it's what I've called the ultra galaxy saga in my, uh, in my article. Because this is when things start getting interesting, kind of spinning off from some of the plot points and the Mebia side stories. What ended up happening in 2007 is we got a show called Ultra Galaxy Mega Monster Battle, a 13 episode series that was actually based off of an arcade game, believe it or not. And it was all about the monsters. It takes place in the future and an alien. It's very Star Trekian. It's very Star Trek, right down to the the human crew that is investigating, and they go to this planet. They crash on the planet, mm-hmm. and they they have a ship that they're that they command called the Pendragon, the Pendragon. Which, is just, which is just a great name. It's a great name. The characters are all great too, and they crash land on this uh, this planet, and they find this guy. They believe he's a human who's got amnesia, but has the ability to summon monsters Pokemon style and make them battle and he can capture them. And it mm. turns out that it's all part of the machinations of this a- evil alien race called the Ray blood. And they basically, this guy, his name is Ray. What is it about characters named Ray with mysterious backstories? I don't think, know. Of, think about it. Star Wars, Evangelion. What's going on? Yeah. I I, I don't know. Anyway, it's that's, weird. that's, that's another yeah. can of worms, but basically yeah, that, that's a big can he, of worms. At the end of the series, he rescues Ultraman from being killed, and then it leads into a sequel series, a sequel series called Mega Monster Battle Neverending Odyssey, which is also called Mega Monster Battle Neo for short. If you've ever seen that, that's what that is. And it all starts to build gradually, gradually. These shows are all about the monsters. There's very little yeah. ultra going on, but there's something yeah, there's a behind the scenes. There's a Ultraman in it. But... Yes, uh, because it turns out Ray is a ray blood alien at least partly a ray blood alien yeah. and he can turn so into he, kind of he, an ultra hero yeah he becomes yeah like yeah pseudo it's complicated it's too much to get into here yeah Just it's too it. much to get into here but if you're into star trek this is a yeah, good like, jumping yeah. on point i would say if you like monsters yes yeah but here's where things get really interesting because these two shows were but the prelude to an even bigger event and that even yeah. bigger event came this is in 2009. Where everything, this is where things start to feel very comic booky, where it's like stuff, 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 building, 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 building. Oh, big, crazy things happen here. And then more building, building, building. <laughs> and this was the big, crazy thing. 2009 is when the big, crazy thing happens. And the big, crazy thing, and I, some of you already know where I'm going with this, is the release of Big Inhale, Mega Monster Battle, Ultra Galaxy Legends, the movie, which is... My favorite Ultraman movie. It is epic. I've had a lot of, I've heard a lot of people say that it's what Final War should have been. I don't know how to interpret that, but make of that what you will. Okay. But it, it <laughs> really, I, what, what, I don't know what that, I, who knows? I mean, I like Final War, so I got nothing, I got nothing to complain about there, but listen. Oh, man, can you is, imagine Don like, Fry in Mega Monster Battle? I would have been down for it. <laughs> so it's Don basically would have walked right up to Belial and punched him in the toe and he would have exploded. I just... yeah, that's right. The, so this I'm as briefly as I can put it, the easy comparison to make is that this is basically Ultraman end game. Everybody dies, but there's a way to save them and they have to save them. There are literally 100 ultra monsters in this. Every Ultraman ever is in this. 
there's up an to evil this point. Ult- yeah. up to this point there's an evil ultraman named ultraman belial or belial i've heard it said well both ways. almost every ultraman is in this almost every ultraman is in this it, there's some of them are blinking you'll miss it the land of light is basically destroyed but there's a way to bring it back and they have to go on a quest using the power of the human characters from the mega monster battle tv series and then there's a new ultraman who shows up who's the son of ultraman zero I mean, the me son of Ultra the Seven. Ultra Seven. I'm very tired. The son of Ultra <laughs> Seven, the one and only Ultraman Zero, makes his appearance yeah, in this who, show. That's where he comes good, from. good lord! Ultraman Zero is right Ultraman up there Zero. with the OG Seven and Tiga as the most popular Ultra. Oh, he's he's incredibly popular, and he's earned yeah. it too. He's such a cocky guy, but he's lovable. Yeah. I think what did I, I think I yeah. call I call I did uh well I was on Kaiju Weekly to talk about this movie and I called him Tok what did I uh, Toku Shonen <laughs> a little bit a little bit he's got the I mean he he'll he's the ultra that'll look right at the camera into a peace sign or a thumbs up or he'll shake your head and cross his arms at you he's got a lot of character but yeah. anyway this movie is phenomenal and breezing through this it was successful enough to get two sequels yep. ultraman zero the revenge of belial and then ultraman saga in 2012 yeah. which and some people call the ultraman zero trilogy the ultraman zero trilogy but after this then we this get is to w- the third major era Finally. this is when yeah this is when things take another reset because I remember when Ultraman saga came out and it really kind of felt like there was this grand silence that fell over the entire genre. It's like, okay, what, what now, what do we do now? And then they released this little 13 episode show in 2013 called Ultraman Ginga mm-hmm. and Ultraman Ginga is an interesting little show about kids that bring heroes back to life and fight monsters using Bandai toys. Yeah, this is when the Bandai mandates kick in. This was there, the was, there was yeah the Bandai mandates. This and they came about because Superaya, which just seems so weird to think about. The Superaya was struggling financially. I think they were on the verge of collapse. This is actually. not the first time either. Yeah, uh, there was there was a point in Superaya's history where there were less than ten people working in the entire company. Yeah, this was not that time, but they have had a history of financial trouble, unfortunately. Yeah. And so they thought they were going to fold. And then Bandai, the toy company, came in and said, we will give you money, but put all the toys and all the things. Bandai ended up owning a majority stock. They own majority stock in Superaya. They basically, they they own it. They own a chunk of the company, a majority yeah. of the company now. But yeah. yeah, this was when, this is when the Ultra series kind of had to grapple with the idea that, okay, if, if we want to succeed, if we want to make money, we have to do a couple things. One, we have to lean into nostalgia and we have to reuse monsters and monster suits that we already have. That saves money. And it's also recognizable Which characters. wasn't new. They had done that a little bit before. They've done that a lot. They've done that before. I mean, a lot of the, the ultra st- stage show suits ended up in the series at this point in history and even before that. But also, if you put the toys in the show, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, when I sit and watch Ultraman Ginga, I actually don't have very many or any of the Spark dolls because they actually did make the exact toys in the show. Mm-hmm. But if you're nine or ten years old or younger or me, if I had more money, uh, then, you know, you put that in the episode. It's kind of like Ken Yano playing with his Godzilla toys and Godzilla versus Hedera. Yeah, I want those toys now because they're in a movie. You know, it, it, it's an easy, it's an easy, gonna, it works. You're going to shove them down a slide too? <laughs> I... Debt and risk getting mud on those expensive figures. I don't know. But maybe I can find a spot that's not muddy. Anyway, that is neither here nor there. Go to. 
I can't believe they actually had him do that down a table. I can't that was believe so it funny. either. It was the dorkiest yeah. thing all weekend. But so basically, funny. yeah, that started the new trend. So I would say if you prefer modern tokusatsu, start this is where you Ginga. jump in. Jump in with Ginga. Give Grant Ginga a little bit of grace. Yes. There are some a little bit of grace because of some budget cuts, even with the Bandai mandates. But be prepared for blatant product placement. Trading cards. <laughs> Trading. Yeah. Be prepared for increasingly gimmicky transformation methods. Yes. <laughs> you thought the beta capsule was like really slim and sleek and you could put it in your pocket. Some of the transformation devices in the new generation hero chunk of the franchise, they're like these huge, bulky, giant things. They're very toyetic because they literally are just the toys. But yeah. if you can, like, if I know people that are really bothered by that, but it's, you know, if you can sit down, it's, if you can sit down and watch a show with guys in suits beating each other up and you can yeah, sit down I'm, and watch people transform with toys, you know, I, I had to get, yeah, I had to get used to it. I did too. The, yeah. Did the too. first, cause I, I started the first new generation heroes show I ever saw, like, I think for a lot of people was watching Ultraman Z in quarantine, because that's how you, mm -hmm. that's how you get through quarantine. You watch more Ultraman. Yeah. See, <laughs> and I, these I were, actually these started. Are being, because that and that was something that got started with this era as well was the simulcasting. Yes, because that started with I want to say that started in 20, 20,000, 2015 to the year of our Lord, 2015. I've uh, seen some I've seen occasional stories that take place in the year 20,000. Uh, listen to me try to speak English. Ultraman yeah. X was the first to do it because I guess we should probably go chronological. So Ginga. Yeah, so yeah, Ginga. Ginga S came Ginga in, S, um, which is which was a, the sequel. Which is sequel season two. It's basically season, basically, basically season, season two. two. And each of these would also would have finale movies. Yes, that was the there, other so thing there's that a started with this. So you basically you would watch the show. Movie. Yeah, you would watch the show. The and this actually became the thing to do with all of Tokusatsu because Super Sentai and Kamen Rider do this too. So you yep. would watch the show yep. for the whole year, and then you would go to the theater to see the finale. Yeah, and it's a, it works and. You know, it gets it gets more tokusatsu into theaters because I remember in 2013, a friend of mine actually sent me a New York Times article, emailed me an article, and I don't remember what the title was, but it was very dour. It was something like the 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 death of an art form, and it was some set photos. I'm currently on the set of the Japanese TV show Ultraman Ginga, watching them film with techniques that are dying out. <laughs> and it was like, is this the last time that this will ever be done? And I was reading it like, oh, this is really depressing because, you know, it, it really it did kind of feel at the time like Tokusatsu as an art mm -hmm. form was on its last legs. But it was nine years ago and it's still going. Yeah, well, that was something we didn't mention. The early 2000s era, you know, Nexus and, Meb and Mebius, Max and all of those Cosmos, they were starting to delve more into digital effects. Because if you watch Nexus, there are flat out CGI scenes where the oh, characters yeah. are CGI models and they're not tokusatsu. So that was another thing. So you start seeing more of that as well showing up in here. More modern, quote unquote, modern special effects techniques yeah. are being used. So you had Ginga, Ginga S, X, and then, and then Orb. Orb. Which is how I jumped into New Generation. I watched a little bit of X, but... <clears throat> not not that much. I actually ended up watching more of Orb because it was on when I was in Tokyo and Orb stuff was everywhere. You could actually get the Orb ring and all the trading cards. I did not and I'm still kicking myself six years later. But yeah, Orb was the big thing that year. It was the 50th anniversary Ultraman show. 
which is pretty cool. And it was simulcasting in America at the time. And then it, it got its own movie and its own prequel show on Amazon, mm-hmm. which was interesting. That hasn't happened since. But yeah. yeah, there's an entire Orb origin saga, which is on Blu-ray from Mill Creek. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. All we're at a point where all of this stuff is available from Mill Creek. Oh yeah, like all yeah. of this stuff is available, and the uh, it's all designed very similarly. It looks great on a shelf. After this, we get 2017's Ultraman Jeed, which is very interesting because the Ultra in that is the son of Belial, and yeah. he has to kind of grapple with his good and bad side and nature versus nurture. It's yeah. an interesting show. Yep. And then after that, we get Rube, which has two heroes in it. Or RB, however you want. RB, but it's, it's, it's supposed to be said as Rube is one word. Yeah. Then that has twin Ultramen. It has twin Ultramen. That's right. They got a red and a blue motif. That is the most recent thing that Mill Creek has released, by the way. That's when their contract went up to. So Taiga, yep. which came out after that, is, has not been released. And everything after that. Has not been released, and then after- not uh, not on physical anyway. You can watch Z Trigger and now currently Decker, which are the most recent yes. shows. They are available. Well, Ultraman Z has been made available completely on YouTube, but subtitles by Subaraya. They yes. have not done that with Trigger, though. I anticipate they will if they I follow so. suit with with Z. Normally. What they do is it airs in Japan, then they release it on YouTube, but subtitles for the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And it'll be available for each episode will be available for two weeks and then they take it down. So you get two weeks to watch each episode. Yes. And I guess just to kind of round off this last chunk, it's worth noting a couple of little things here and there. There is another Ultra Q revival and that was in here. 2013's Neo Ultra Q, which is mm-hmm. bonkeroonies, and I recommend it highly. Mm-hmm. And it, that's been released by Mill Creek. Yep. Uh, Ultraman Zero The Chronicle has been released as well. There's also the ongoing, and the, the, the titles have changed a few times, the Ultraman Retsuden series, which is basically just compilation clips and episodes. Yeah, from they've done a, there's things. been a couple of those. Uh, yeah. There's been a new Ultraman anime based on a manga on Netflix. So there's some outliers in this era. There's also well. all of the online stuff like Dustin Crossroads and Absolute Conspiracy. But that, yeah, but that's those are tokusatsu, but they're focused entirely on the Ultras and they don't take place on Earth. There's exactly, but they're, big, but they're epic as all, star-spanning epic. mythic yeah. stories where the ultras are fighting See, inv- you know, this invading evil. <laughs> I love that. That's one of the reasons I love uh, Ultra Galaxy Legends, the movie, so much is because it goes into outer space and talks and basically treats the like the ultras are their own characters. There's no human groups, uh, or if they are, they're they're working with the ultras as characters instead of just these big things that show up and solve their problems for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not saying there's one better way or worse way to do it. I love all, all everything hey, ultra. I love I, it. I am, all so much. I am all for them branching out like that because I'm tired of hearing Travis talk about how Ultraman is just the same every time. I'm like, no. dude, all of these Toku hero shows have their own tropes that they do every single time. Okay. Yeah. Common yeah. Rider's got its tropes that he does every time. Super Sentai's got Sentai's all of its got tropes it. um, that it does every time. It's- these things rely on their tropes in a lot of ways. I mean, sometimes those tropes are the anchor point that keeps us, you know, able to recognize that, oh yeah, this is Ultraman. Oh yeah, this is a, a Sentai show. This is Common Rider. But yeah, I love the, and it actually took them a while to kind of get back to it, but the 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 anti-monster team that fights and then Ultraman shows up and like that that's the traditional formula and I adore it. But I also really love leaving Earth and 
treating each ultra as its own character mm-hmm. with a, you know his or her own motivations and we do have more female ultras now which is awesome and they, the stuff like absolute conspiracy and Dustin crossroads just in some of the guidance that have come out where it's the ultras going throughout the galaxy and fighting on these big cosmic these big cosmic level battles i just love that stuff i love yeah. that that avenue and i'm glad they're able to do it that's an aspect where tokusatsu and cg work together well because we're talking about suits and usually the uh, planets and the, the you know, obviously outer space and all that stuff, that's all CG. So the sets are CG. And when done well, it expands the world of what tokusatsu can do in a really cool way. And mm-hmm. that's a way that the two mediums can work together that I am in support of. Yeah, I think it works really well when done in the right way. And I think Ultraman's done a great job of it. And man, I think that leads us up to the one thing we haven't talked about yet, which is the very, very far bookend of this whole Ultra thing, at least as of right now, and that is Shin Ultraman. Shin Ultraman, yes, the new movie, which is slowly making slowly. its way. It was shown Painful. at a film festival in Canada, and it was shown at I. Th- it was shown at New York City Comic Con, I believe. Yeah, it's getting closer. Um, it's getting I closer. Keep Come on, guys, just put it's make gonna a wide happen. Limited release, okay? It's gonna happen. I think it's actually. I think it's gonna. We're gonna hear about it sooner than. I have no, I mean, I've, I've been told some inside stuff, but I don't believe anything till I hear it. But my feeling is that we're going to get an announcement on this sooner than we think. And I think we're going to all get to go see this thing relatively soon. At least I hope so. I have just been chomping at the bit. I have avoided pretty much every spoiler. I know nothing about the plot of this film. I know the monsters that appear via the trailer and the one at the beginning that kind of got ruined online for me, but I'm fine with it because it's 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 fine. It's the prologue. It's getting then, spoiled in the next issue of Kai, of Kaiju Ramen too. By yeah, the way. despite I'll my giant warning, I'll be careful. The current layout has a picture of him sitting right there. So. Yeah, and there is, I mean, uh, one of the toys spoiled something for me and not only the fact that the character that the toy represents is in it but also the fact that since this character is in it it means that another one kind of has to be as well but i'm not going to say what that is and i don't i don't have any proof but i feel like it has to happen this way or else it's, yeah. it's it doesn't yeah. work but which that being the case i don't want to know anything about this film before i go into it i am yeah. so ready to see it I'm yeah so the ready thing to that's see it. Uh, that's going to be fascinating is that i do think for a lot of people shin ultraman could be the entry point because I it's so. the, because it's the big budget, very modern movie, yeah, done with very modern special effects. I think for a lot of people who are not used to Tokusatsu, might be more accepting of Shin Ultraman because it's all CGI. Yeah, because the it's I mo-cap. guess that's the other. It's it's mocap, and hey, it has been Furuya in there for a few scenes doing his thing, which I just love to death, but. Yeah, there is kind of another element of the Ultra franchise, which is the fact that so much of it is kind of landlocked into previous decades. And for whatever reason, we live in a day and age where people will just not go back and watch quote unquote older stuff, which is depressing. But, you know, like there are people who will not watch the original Ultraman because it was made in 1966 and they're younger than that, which is I I don't quite get that logic, but. So much good stuff is being kind of sectioned off by people who are setting up these parameters, these limitations. I'm never going to force anybody to watch something they don't want to watch, you know, to each their own, but missing out. But that being the case, if that's the case for somebody, then hopefully Shin Ultraman does the job because it 
just, oh, I'm so excited to see it. It looks so good. It looks, I've just heard nothing but but wonderful things about it. I'm very excited to finally sit and let the movie happen to me. I am, I am so ready. First, you got to get caught up on Ultraman Decker. I'm just saying. Yeah, I haven't started. I have not started Decker yet. Um, I have not started Decker. Yet. I actually have it on my phone, ready to queue up. I'll, I have episode one on my phone right now. I'm holding my phone mm. as we're recording, and I have episode one ready to go. Eh, I it's a little late now. I might. I was going to say maybe I'll do it tonight, but maybe tomorrow after work I'll queue it up, give it a watch. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I'm usually up on my new Ultraman stuff pretty well, but the the fact that planning for G Fest at G Fest and then the uh, the post G Fest malaise that I've been feeling, yeah, I've had the the post G Fest malaise, the post G Fest blues hardcore this last week. Also, and this this has probably been very obvious to people listening, is I I talked so much during the convention on all my panels that I lost my voice, <laughs> so yeah. my voice is not in great shape. But yeah. Yeah, it was, but it was hey, not conducive I can to get you to Ultraman. come. I was gonna say I can get you to come on and talk about Ultraman any day of the week, right? <laughs> any day of the week and twice on Sunday, my friend. Yeah, that's for Bring sure. In fact, on. there you know there, there might be plans for say an Ultraman panel. Yes, it's next sure year, I, maybe. Sure, yeah, sure, I've heard. Yes, 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 Ten quite. Thousand <laughs> points from Gryffindor. <laughs> yes, but um, yes, quite. We did get. We got a yes, quite on. We did it. We, yeah, we did yeah. It. We went the whole episode, but it finally came out. <laughs> finally happened. But yeah, I'd love there for there to be more Ultraman at G Fest, and maybe this is, maybe this is finally this the, is time the time. With all these Blu-rays this is the time. This it is Ultraman's time, and as I. We've gone on a little longer than I thought we would, but I hope this whole discussion and your article in Kaiju Ramen, by the way, I hope this really shows people that maybe you don't want to see all of it. Not everybody's a completionist. That is fine. Absolutely. But there's a lot to pick from. There's a lot of places where you can just find the ones that you think you'll like the most and do it piecemeal. If you want to focus on a particular era, there's multiple choices that you have for it. Whatever fits your particular taste, there is an Ultraman for you. There's an Ultraman for all seasons, just like there's a Godzilla for all seasons, you know? There's there's so many different things like and I say this in the article, but if you like if you want to start at the beginning, start at the beginning. If you want to if you want to go crazy and jump in with the the 70s stuff. If you like crazy psychedelic bonkers tokusatsu that makes you question your sanity, jump into the 70s if you like kind of a nice kind of 90s vibe you can't go wrong with tiga if you want to throwback, go with max or mebius if you want kind of some darker stuff watch the next and or nexus both are great if you want the newer stuff if you're into more recent toku stuff new generation hero <laughs> if you like bandai toys <laughs> if you like bandai toys and if you like trading cards if you like i don't know like reused suits if you like you like all, you they, like nostalgia. You like nostalgia, <laughs> but they also do a lot of new things too. Like do you, like each one of the new generation shows has done something unique mm-hmm. that I love. And There's a lot of the, interaction between the host and the ultra, which is very cool. welcome. And yeah. that's so important because what we're talking about here, like we said at the beginning of the show, is a series that is getting very close to 60 years old and you've got to maintain the tropes. Yes. But you also need to do new and exciting things. And the fact that all these years later, all these ultra things we've talked about over the last hour and 45 minutes, the fact that they are still making one of these every year, they're still finding new things to do 
with the same basic outline of Earth is under attack by monsters, people fight monsters, Ultraman comes to Earth to fight monsters with people. Like they're still doing new things with that, and it's it's just it just blows my mind the amount of creativity and the fact that they're still coming up with new monsters. That's cool. And the fact that they're still coming up with new looks for Ultraman and new powers and new characters for him to interact with. That's cool. There is so much creativity in this franchise. And it is a, it is a very long journey. uh, If you want to be in for the long haul, it is a very, like I said, it's a can of worms, but my goodness, no matter how you want to do it, no matter how you want to tackle it from what direction you want to, to uh, go into this thing, it is a journey worth taking and as somebody who's been a hardcore ultraman fanboy for a decade and a half now yeah it is such it is such a rewarding journey you will be entertained you will laugh Uh, a couple of episodes have made me cry legitimately because of how emotional they were you'll point at the screen and go what the heck did i just look at you'll cheer you'll be moved you'll it, it runs the gambit of emotions but above everything else, Ultraman is just fun. It is mm-hmm. so much fun. And if you're going to have fun with something, why not have fun with a giant uh, monster fighting hero who... Uh, the giant of light. Beams. The giant of light himself. It's a, it is so much fun. And if you can't tell, I highly recommend it. I don't know if I made yeah. that clear, but... yes you did very abundantly and and by the way people when you're done come listen to the show we're gonna get some more ultraman coverage in this i hope so (laughs) i do hope so as well so there's some ultraman follow-up content for you to listen to there's already some here for on henshin men on our feed and hopefully there'll be some more absolutely that would be awesome all right well Danny, before we wrap things up here, let all the peoples know who you are, what you do, and all the cool stuff. Go for it. Shameless self-promotion. Just like Shameless self-promotion. There it is. There it is. <laughs> I need an announcer guy to do, to do, do like a soundbite for that to announce. Yes. Shameless <laughs> self-promotion. There it is. <laughs> but, okay. So, yeah. My name is Daniel DeManna, as mentioned before. And I, among other things, am the creator and author of the Godzilla Novelization Project, which is and an soon ongoing... the Ultraman Novelization Project? I'm kidding. Let, <laughs> oh, man. I've People have asked me about that. and. I tell them one megalithic writing project at a time. <laughs> Listen, I would love to sit and write Ultraman stuff. Maybe I'll just do it for fun as like a little side thing one day. But yeah, the the giant, who knows? I mean, I've had people ask me for Gamera. I've had people ask me for all kinds of stuff. I won't rule it out, but I, I got to gotta get a couple of other things done first. Uh-huh. I, I got a list. I got priorities, man. I got priorities. See, you know, but uh, anyway, you mooks, I run this project and I write these books you know what I'm saying? Anyway, so I write. I the, uh, you want to keep your kneecaps? You you read my would, books. <laughs> would you Would you like to be violently removed from your kneecaps? Because I know a guy. See, <laughs> but anyway, bad gangster impressions aside, don't know where that came from. But yeah, the the GNP for anybody who might not know is an ongoing creative endeavor to novelize all the Godzilla movies, the Japanese ones, the American ones already have novelizations, and to share those books via serialized chapters 100% free with any fan who'd like to read them. If that sounds like your jam, if you're into Godzilla, check out the Godzilla novelization project at get this. I mean, you'll never believe it. 
Godzilla novelization project.com. <gasps> yeah, I would say. I do say. In fact, I just said it. But anyway, <sighs> uh, yeah, I know. Uh, EGAD, I know. Craziness. But yes, the GNP website is where you'll find all the books archived, plus short stories, plus a blog, plus timelines, which I really need to get back into doing. I got asked about that at G-Fest. Dan, Dan when are you going to do more timelines? So I need to do more timelines. I uh, The people have spoken. I need to get on that. Uh, if this sounds like something that you want to follow along with, you can follow along with it. That was a good sentence. With <laughs> Good Lord. You can follow along with me and the project on Twitter at Danzilla93 underscore GNP. That's where you'll find me there. I also have a Godzilla Novelization Project Facebook page and an email address, uh, Godzilla Novelization Project at gmail.com. If you really like what you read and want to support me with your hard-earned dough, then head over to Patreon. And for as low as a dollar a month, you can help me secure research, figure out how to get more stuff translated, help me take time off of work so I can write more, eat, you know, things like that. My um, figures... Collect totally figures. No, I I do I do not collect figures with my Patreon money, Mister March. <laughs> that goes to other patron, things. by the way, people. <laughs> yes, yes. Nate is a patron, and as a ten dollar patron, uh, he has actually secured the main perk of the ten dollar Patreon tier, which is getting his name in one of the books as a character. Like he's not just going to be thanked; he's going to be in the book as a character. He's going to be an EDF mutant in the book. Yes. And he's going to kill me horribly. I am going to have one of the uh, the Exilians shoot you eight times in the face. I'm just kidding. But what a way to go, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I want the over-the-top Matrix anime guy to come over and snap my neck. I will totally be okay with this. I'm gonna... That sentence out of context sounds horrible. <laughs> I am going to take that as permission, my friend. That is, that's, that's what that is. But anyway, yeah, that's what I that's what I do. If you'd like to hear me continue to ramble about, you know, kaiju related stuff. Uh, I do have my own podcast, which is a perk on Patreon as part of the one dollar tier. You can also hear me rambling about giant monsters on Nate's nine other shows, specifically. <laughs> well, on Monster, yeah, I've been on the Monster Island Film Vault doing voice acting and academia discussions and co-hosting Many, many times I've been on a bunch of other shows. I've been, a, 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 na- na- you name it, there's a chance I've been on it talking. I've done voice acting. This, for, this is your third podcast for, this week. So This is my third podcast this week. Yeah, actually four because the one I was on the other day ended up with being so long we cut it in half. So it was technically four <laughs> podcasts. Yeah, yeah. I was I'm, born a rambling man. I was born a rambling man. Yeah, so after four days of talking at G-Fest, Losing my voice, there is obvious, obviously, no rest for the wicked. But the the good news is there's nothing wicked about this. I love talking about this stuff. And if you like talking about this stuff, you want to chat with me about Ultraman, shoot me a message on social media or send me an email. I'll chat about Ultraman with you. It's good. It's good stuff. But yeah, that's pretty much all I have to plug at the moment. I'm I'm plugged out. I've I've plugged enough. All righty. And with that, thank you for listening to Henshin Man, a tokusatsu appreciation podcast. You can find links to all of our social media in the description of this episode. You can listen to more of Travis on Kaiju Weekly and listen to more of me on the Monster Island Film Vault and the Power Trip. The Power Trip is our sister podcast on the Kaiju Ramen Podcast Network. And Kaiju Weekly is the flagship show currently on the 
Kaiju Ramen Podcast Network. If you found some enjoyment from this podcast, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podchaser. And until next time, you got a pun for us, <laughs> Dan. Well, I, I mean, I could sit here and try to think of a pun, Nate, but frankly, we've we've been recording almost two hours and I really need to get up and use the Ultra Can. This podcast is part of the Kaiju Ramen Podcasting Network and is copyright 2022 Kaiju Ramen Media, LLC.